You know, Mary was a very, very interesting person. I'm speaking of the mother of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about her today. It's going to be very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Ember. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year. We've done that for 31 years. This is uh, the time when we come into the place we can study the elements surrounding Jesus. Here to help us is Corey and Ryan. Corey. Thanks. Well, today I'm just going to be focusing on the Gospel of Luke itself as we're beginning studying the Gospel today. Ryan, how about you? Today I'm talking about Mary's husband, Joseph, and actually every man named Joseph in the Bible. <laughs> okay, so if your name is Joseph, good, we're talking to you. Uh, Janice? Well, it's our Fun Friday wrap-up. I get to ask a question of Corey and Ryan, and of course you watching at home can play along as well. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from our reading assignments from Mark chapter 5 all the way through to Luke chapter 2, so get ready. Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1 and 2. This is our assigned reading today. It is remarkable. And uh, I'm very excited about this because Luke was a Gentile writer. And as he writes this, it gets very, very interesting. You know, the word angel means messenger of God. And the name Gabriel means strong one of God. Think about that. Gabriel was sent as God's messenger to a young virgin named Mary, probably 14 or 15 years old, to foretell the divine birth of the coming Christ. Now this pregnancy would come as a result of the Holy Spirit 
descending upon Mary. This was the greatest message ever announced by anyone, anywhere. God himself pouring his spirit into flesh and Jesus emerging into the human race. God's holy blood mixed with unholy flesh. Only God could do this in a miraculous event. Luke was likely a Gentile and he wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. You know, the apostle Paul identified Luke as a travel companion, a medical doctor in Colossians 4.14. A lot has been written about Luke focusing on including accounts of the Gentiles and social outcasts. Now that's fascinating. While most scripture focuses on the Jewish people, Luke focused on the plan of God for all humanity. And so he wrote towards both Jewish and Gentile audiences. Take your Bible guide and turn to today as we go through this, because this is important. And the Bible guide says, and has written in it, and I want to mention this to you because it's very, very important that we do more in the Bible guide than we do right here on the program because we have a time issue. Last year we studied the first part of Luke. This year we're studying the greatest message. And you turn to this passage in the Bible and you begin to understand what we're talking about. If you don't have a Bible guide, I'll send one to you. Simply go to uh, the address on the bottom of the screen or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on the Bible Guide page. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. They really help us. And we, we have some stories. We'll share about that at some time. But thank you so much. Today, we're going to pray. Father, help us as we discover the greatest message. Help us to understand that people are not thinking about this. They're all in different states of panic, thinking about all kinds of things because things have happened to them. They're not things you've done. They're things that we have done and has happened to us because we've kicked you out. But Lord, we invite you back into our hearts. Every Christian praying with me right now, join me in prayer. Father, we invite you into our hearts and into our homes. Show yourself strong today. In Jesus' name, protect us and help us as we talk about your greatest message. In the name of the Lord, and we all said together, amen and amen. Now, let's turn to this passage. We're going to go to verse 26, because last year we studied the first part of this. Verse 26 says, Now in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. What? He was in the line of David, beloved. He was. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now that's interesting, isn't it? If you're Mary, how do you react? Well, Mary was highly favored by God. God had a special role for Mary in his plan. Each of us are called according to God's plan for our lives. See, God has a plan. And that plan is important because God takes that plan and he's got our lives plugged into it. Now, we often run off and do our own things, you know. But then when God gets a hold of us, he plugs us back into his plan. <laughs> And we make mistakes along the way, but God has a way of fixing those mistakes and helping those mistakes as we submit our lives to him and allow him to work in our lives, beloved. 
So let's keep that in mind. God has a plan for your life today. Doesn't matter what's happened or how badly we've messed it up. God still has a plan. Let's get back with God's plan. Not panic and running all over the place. Let's get back with God's plan. 29 says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at him because of his saying and consider what, what manner of greeting is this? Well, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. I, I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to listen to me here. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. The angel names him. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Do you understand what he's saying here? Mary learns that Jesus, which is the name given by the angel, will be exalted and unique above all. We should share the good news of Jesus Christ, beloved. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the chosen one of God. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the one, beloved. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're saying. Now, I don't know what Mary thought. Who knows? But this was incredible. But it's interesting to listen to this next passage of Scripture. Because here we see something inside that is unique. All right? Now, we don't worship Mary. But watch her response to the angel. Okay? This is good. Verses 34 to 38. Now, here's what Mary says. Then Mary said to the angel... How can this be, since I do not know a man? She understood. And the angel answered and said to her, this is what the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will be the Sire. Verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who is called barren. For you see, with God, nothing will be impossible. I want you to look at that. With God, nothing will be impossible. Now, what does Mary say to all this? Then Mary said, behold, take note the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I mean, she was terrified. But see, understand that with God, nothing is impossible. We should put our trust like Mary did and our hope in God and in his word. Now, Joseph was an amazing man, and we'll talk about him. But... Mary was outstanding because she responded correctly. And we need to say, Lord, as it is in your will, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your plans be done in my life today as you have assigned them. Father, I pray today that everybody will hear that. And I pray today that we will invite you to fulfill your plan in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. So we are beginning our read through and our study of the Gospel of Luke. Now, before you think, ah, another Gospel, here we go again, it's going to all be the same. It's not going to all be the same. And to help start us out on the right foot, I figured we'd take a look at the Gospel of Luke itself to get us prepared for what's to come. Take a look. The third Gospel of the New Testament was early on labeled the Gospel of Luke, named after the man that all of church history and tradition claim as its author. Luke is also viewed as the author of the book of Acts, writing the two volumes as complementary accounts of Jesus' life and the works or acts of the apostles. These two books are connected by their introductions, both mentioning the name Theophilus, likely a monetary patron of the works. They're also connected by their literary structure. It has been noted that the two books read together form a chiasmus, a type of literary device that involves repetition in a reverse order. A statement is said and then said again in reverse. For example, a statement of Jesus in Mark chapter 2 takes a chiastic form. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Luke's chiasmus reveals its grand structure over the course of his two volumes, with its center, its pinnacle focus surrounding the resurrection and ascension of Christ that concludes the Gospel of Luke and opens up the Book of Acts. Luke himself is identified as Paul's physician, spoken of in Colossians 4 verse 14. Evidence from within the book of Acts itself point to Luke traveling with Paul on several of his missionary journeys. From a straightforward reading of Colossians 4 verse 10 to 14, we learn that Luke was a Gentile by birth. Paired with the testimony of several early church fathers, we're given a clear picture of Luke's authorship. Luke himself, at the beginning of his work, seems to claim a thorough historic investigation has preceded his writing, that he has interviewed many eyewitnesses and is aware of the existing Gospels of Mark and Matthew. Yet another view that supports Luke as author considers the likelihood of anyone wanting him to be the author. As a Gentile, a non-apostle, and a relatively unknown figure in the early church, it's highly unlikely that he would be claimed author so unanimously if it weren't the truth. So lots to think about as we begin to study the Gospel of Luke. I'm excited as we go through because Luke hits a few different parables that some of the other Gospels don't, uh, you know, mention or don't record. So it's always really interesting when we get into those teachings of Jesus to see what exactly the Gospel authors decided to include, you know, for their theological treaty, for their theological Gospel. So more on that when we get there. I think it's interesting. I, I tell people and uh, doctors are fascinating people there. I know many of them and I tell them, you know, you should read the Gospel of Luke because Luke was a doctor mm -hmm. and uh, he focuses on the details. And when you begin to understand that Luke was not Jewish, that he was Gentile, that you begin to realize he quoted things and said things that were very, very 
unorthodox for the Jewish community because he was also writing for the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, you have to understand when you read the book, that's what you're reading. Yeah. Well, I know when you read through the Gospels the first time, if this is your first time, you probably won't notice a lot of differences. You may if you're if you if that's the kind of brain that you have and if you're really focusing on the details. But for those of us who have read the Gospels several times, as we're going through, it's really interesting to note uh, which authors talk about which things because mm -hmm. it speaks to their purpose of writing. It speaks to what they're trying to emphasize in the life of Jesus and what that means for Christianity because they're not writing in a vacuum. They're writing they know who Jesus is. They, he's already died and rose from the dead uh, by the time they're writing this. So they're choosing, they're curating parts of his life to tell us things for a reason. So there's many different layers to studying the gospels and reading through the gospels. So again, if this is your first time going through, I just want to encourage you, just get the information in there. You know, just read it and, and try to understand what's going on. And then as you continue to read them, you'll be able to pick up on more and more. I think okay. it's important to remember that uh, you know, you begin to understand that Matthew was written to the Jewish people. Mark was written to the, it seems like the military army, because it immediately is used so many times in Mark, it's quick, bang, bang, bang. Luke is written to the Gentiles, and you see a lot about women in Luke, and you, you begin to understand, wait a minute, I get it. And then John was written to the church, and uh, that's how I put it. Now, other people can put it their own way, but that's how I think of it. And it's really, really something as we go through Luke, we're going to discover that, right? Yeah, well, today to go, as we're going through the Gospel of Luke, I thought it would be really good to focus some of our attention on the legal father of Jesus Christ and Mary's husband, Joseph. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I'm actually not just talking about Mary's husband, but every Joseph in the Bible. Now, by my count, there are 14 men in the Bible with the name Joseph. But the three most well-known to us is Joseph, the son of the patriarch Jacob, Joseph, husband of Mary, and Joseph of Arimathea. But I'm sure you're wondering who the other 11 are. So let's study. Joseph, it's a name that means may the Lord add more sons. And though some are more well-known than others, the fact is there are some 14 Josephs named in scripture. The Bible's first and most famous of the Old Testament Josephs was the 11th born son of the patriarch Jacob. But as the firstborn son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, Joseph was naturally the favored son of his father. This favoritism ultimately drove his envious brothers into selling him into Egyptian slavery. But what Satan meant for evil, God turned to good. For God had instilled in Joseph the divine gift of interpretation. This, coupled with his unwavering faithfulness to God, eventually provided him the opportunity to become a very powerful leader in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. Through the providence of God, this position of authority allowed Joseph to provide a home in Egypt for his estranged family, saving them from starvation and ultimately preserving the messianic line. Significantly, it would be yet another Joseph who would be intimately involved in the Messiah's birth. And even though not a great deal is known about him, as the legal father of Jesus Christ and Mary's husband, he is easily the most well-known of the New Testament Josephs and probably of all scripture. Not only did he, as a son of David, provide Jesus the legal right to the throne, but as a good and godly man, his role as Jesus' father was critical. And just as this Joseph was intimately involved in Jesus' birth and early development, so too would it be yet another Joseph who was intimately involved in his death and burial. 
Considered to be the third most famous Joseph of the Bible, Joseph of Arimathea was at first a secret disciple of Jesus. Indeed, as an honored member of the Sanhedrin, his exposure as a follower of the Way would most likely end his illustrious career. But his love for the Lord's Christ outweighed his religious status, and in the end went full disclosure as he courageously took the body of Jesus and buried it in his own tomb. Besides these three, there are many other Josephs in the Bible, though none of them is well known. For example, in Numbers chapter 13, one of the twelve chosen Israelite spies is Ilgal, whose father's name is Joseph. And according to 1 Chronicles 25, Joseph was also the name of the son of the renowned musician Asaph. Again, in Ezra 10, we read of another Joseph, this one a descendant of Binuai. And in Nehemiah 12, there is a Joseph who is the head of the priestly family of Shechaniah. There are also a handful of Josephs in the New Testament as well. In fact, one of them was Jesus' own brother. And Matthew and Mark name yet another Joseph, but this one unrelated to Jesus. Again, we read that after Christ's ascension, two men were nominated to replace Judas, Matthias and Joseph. Also in Acts 4, we read of a Levite from Cyprus named Joseph, whom the apostles affectionately called Barnabas. In addition to these, there are three men within Mary's husband Joseph's genealogy who were also named Joseph. These include Joseph the son of Mattathias, Joseph the son of Judah, and Joseph the son of Jonam. So I hope you enjoyed that really brief survey of all the Josephs of the Bible, and I hope you'll take some time to really dig into each of these men's accounts on your own. Of course, for some of them, their name is all that we have, but what the Bible does tell us is very significant. For instance, as I showed in the segment, it is notable that it was a Joseph who saved the nation of Israel from starvation and ultimately preserved the Messianic line. And then it would be another Joseph who would be intimately involved in Jesus Christ's physical birth and growth. And yet another Joseph who would be intimately involved in his burial arrangements. And just for the record, Jesus didn't stay there in the tomb. He rose again on the third day. That we can be absolutely sure of. Make no mistake, he is alive and he is well and he's coming back very soon. But this time he's not coming as a sacrifice to the world, but to rule the world as a, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you don't know Jesus, then I really want to plead with you that you do it today. Do it while he can be found in this time of grace. There is no time to waste. The way you find Jesus Christ is you have your heart, which is really sort of uh, gravitating towards him. And you simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you. And I believe that you are the person that I'm talking to. I believe that you are the person that's the Lord. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. And I believe that you can change me. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. Help me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A very simple prayer, just acknowledging who he was, acknowledging who he is, and make him the Lord of your life. Ask him forgiveness for your sin. That's repentance. And then he'll turn it around and he'll make you understand who he is. And things will change for you in a big way. Very very important. Corey, you're doing something on the weekend. Yeah, so every weekend this year, I release a YouTube video that is a chapter-by-chapter -chapter recap of our assigned reading for the week because we're reading through the Bible this year, right? So if you've been following through with us and you've fallen behind on your reading, check out my YouTube channel. Check out those videos. I'll get you caught right back up. My YouTube channel is just my name, Corey Bebechko. Excellent. Very good. Remember our prayer meetings on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, of course, at 3.30 New York time. 
till 4.30, very important. I'm, I'm always pushing stuff. We do other things here besides just this program. And uh, you have to get on our social media to understand what's happening in BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Janice, the question. Well, Corey, before I get to the question, I just want to ask you. We've been talking back and forth about the, this segment that you do on mm -hmm. the weekend. And you were saying that a lot of times as you're rereading, you're picking up even more information. Oh, and yeah. you are learning even more as you're recapping for the people who need to recap. Definitely, because it's using different... Um, cognitive functions. I think when I when I read something and I realize that I have to communicate some of the main points or I'm going to have to explain certain challenging elements of the scripture and try to give like tips and hints and connections to other scripture. So it really is helping me think a different way. So I'm having so much fun just being able to share some things uh, through those videos and even uh, reading other people's comments and commenting back to them on what they thought about some of the challenging parts of the reading as well. It's been really fun and helpful to me in my own life. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that great? Good. All Excellent. right. Now that's the word of God. It Dude, is. Uh, but we, we'll, we'll still be learning. Still learning. <laughs> never too old, never too young to learn. All right. Anywhere from Mark 5 to Luke 2, here's the question. What was the name of the man whose 12-year-old daughter was healed by Jesus? Now here's a hint. He was one of the rulers of the synagogue. Was his name Jairus, Joseph, or Julius? I think this is what an easy think? one. What do well, you think? Well, for some who have read the Bible many times, Rod, but there are some who are just joining us and have never read the Bible, or this is their first time through. So what do you think? What was the name of the man whose 12-year-old daughter was healed by Jesus? Yeah, we have conferred. We right. have, but with, By the with, our, with our looks and our yeah. nods uh -huh. and everything, we've got the brother-sister connection <laughs> going right. on. Mm -hmm. Jairus or Jarius. Jairus. All right. So Mark 5 verse 22 gives us the answer. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he meaning Jesus, he fell at his feet. Very good. So all of you at home, if you guessed number one, Jairus, you are absolutely right. As we conclude today, the prayer time, it's great to see you and thank you for joining us. But we have to pray because we can't just read the Bible. You know, reading the Bible is one aspect, but prayer is another. And our prayer is simple and short. We pray, Lord Jesus, help me today to have the mind of Christ through the power of your Holy Spirit. You see, I wanna think the way you think. I don't wanna think the way I am. So in Jesus' name, help me today.